Okay. So today we're starting a new series. For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about discipleship and why discipleship is extremely important and valuable to the kingdom of God. And as you see, and if you're reading your Bible, you'll know that uh, a lot of discipleship goes on, whether it's from Jesus, whether it's from the apostles, whether it's from the church. Uh, However you look at that, discipleship happens, and it needs to happen often, and it needs to be happening in your life at all times. Unfortunately, what we've seen over the last few decades is this this understanding of discipleship has kind of gone to the way you have an understanding of who Jesus is in your life. That's why you have a personal relationship every single day, reading your Bible, praying, having a repentant lifestyle, and then getting into the place to where you can then start pouring into your kids. Uh, or your family, whether that's your spouse, whether that's uh, your nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, whatever, you just need to get into a place to where you're learning to make disciples as we see that is in the Bible. Here's the issue, though. You guys got to read this, okay? You've got to read this. And once you start reading this, it's going to allow you to be able to have discipleship material. You don't need a book. You don't need a 12-step program. You just need to know the Word of God. Matter of fact, you don't even need to know the Word of God to start uh, to, to, to make disciples. You can actually start sharing your testimony. How many of you have a testimony? All right. A testimony is what God has done to you or done for you through His Son, Jesus Christ, because you have accepted Him and you have followed Him. And so what we're going to learn and talk about today is how do we... First of all, evaluate ourselves. Where are we in this process? And then second of all, how do we go out and and do likewise? Because Matthew 28 was a commandment. It wasn't a request. We are to go out and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This week, I've been doing uh, 1 John. And I don't have this on the board, uh, Gabe. Don't worry about it yet. But uh, 1 John, I started... Uh, studying this. We're doing this on our Wednesday night class starting this coming Wednesday, and so I started just kind of diving into it. And I've read 1 John, I don't know, you know, a dozen times at least, if not more, uh, since becoming a, a believer in God. And I had on the side of this um, part of my bio, literally, I have this question mark right here. You know, I know you guys can't see it, but there's a word that says how. Like, I read this years ago, and I wrote how on the side of this. Let me just kind of read this to you. 1 John chapter 3 is verse 4 through 7. It says, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness, okay? So if you're in sin, and we all know what sin is, it's doing anything that God tells you not to do in his word, okay? So if you're not reading your Bible, guess what you're not seeing? You're not seeing what God deems as sin. I think a lot of times what we want to do is we want to grab what the world is saying is okay and kind of shadow that. We're not supposed to, right? We're supposed to follow this. And then verse 5, it says, you know, he, that, you know that he appeared in order to take away your sins. In other words, Jesus Christ came upon the scene 2,000 years ago uh, for uh, an offering, for a sin offering to take away our sins. None of the laws, none of the works, nothing else could take away our sins other than the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so then he goes on to say, you know that he appeared in order to take the sins away, and in him there is no sin. In other words, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we should start sinning less. Okay? We should, you, you may not ever be sinless, sinless, but you can sin less. 
And so as you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, things ought to start taking a different turn in your life. And then verse 6, and this is where I had the, the question, how? It says, no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has ever seen him or knows him. And so I, I'd contemplated that at one point in time of how do we get to a place of having Jesus in us and sinning no more? How? Well, verse 7 gives me the exact way to do that. Little children, make sure that no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. And so this understanding of what righteous is means that there's a discipline or a dedication that I have to pour into the word of God. When I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, there's some things that I've got to do. In other words, I have to read my Bible. I have to get to a place where I'm praying. And I have to get to a place where God is convicting me of the sin that's in my life. And that's called repentance. And when God is doing that, you learn to become more righteous. But it takes a concerted effort on your part. And one of the issues in, in that process is learning to allow someone to come into your life and kind of show you, which is called discipleship, the word of God, all right? One in their lifestyle and one in their words, and then one through, obviously, in the word of God. And we've got a major problem in the church today because we don't have this understanding of what righteousness is. I always wondered, how could I be sinless? Like, Okay, well, I've got to have God in me. I can't in the flesh, but I can in the spirit if I allow the Holy Spirit to take over my life. And that is a discipline that I got to learn on how to do that. And so I've never been very disciplined in my life with many things. Food, for sure. I mean, I, I struggle with food. Um, in sports, I was always just good enough. I wasn't great. I didn't try to go to that extra level of trying to, to be great. I was just good enough. School, I got by with C's so I could play sports. Uh, most of life, I've always just been good enough to do much of anything. But when I got saved, when I gave my life to the Lord, uh, he gave me this discipline to have a hunger for the word and then a desire to go and make disciples. And this is one thing that I've, stri I've strived for most of my Christian life is how can we do more of this? How can we get into a place to where, man, this is all that we do of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and then teaching them to do exactly what God has commanded. That's exactly what discipleship is. And so it takes discipline to make what? Disciples. So it takes discipline. First, on your part, how far are you willing to go? How far do you want to go? Do you even understand what that means? And so that's what I want to peel the, the onion here today and show you exactly what it means maybe in your life and maybe in the lives of others. Paul gives us a great example of what discipline is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. He says, do you not know, not the, yeah, that's easy for me to say. Do you not know that those who run a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the game exercises self-control in all things. In other words, have you ever seen an Olympian athlete? They, they give up everything in order to become an Olympian athlete. The way that they eat, the way that they sleep, the way where they live, uh, they give up just about everything in order to become the best at what they're doing. This is what Paul's saying. It's like, if you're going to run the race, run it to win, okay? Don't do like I did growing up. Just do, you know, just good. I was a jack of all trades and the master of none. No, he's saying like you, when you decide to follow Jesus Christ, you have to be fully committed. You have to be 
fully ready to do exactly what God is calling you to do, what, no matter how crazy it sounds. Everyone who competes in these games exercises self-control in all things. Then do it to receive, they then, or excuse me, they then do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable. In other words, they're just going to, back then they would get a, a wreath of, uh, of, of roses and, and whatever, and that thing would end up dying and they'd throw it away. What we're racing for, what we're striving for, and the perfection that we're looking for is going to be eternal. Everything that you do in this short little life affects eternity. Your little bitty life this long pales in comparison to eternity. So don't waste this little bit of part of your life and ruin eternity. Don't mess it up. In other words, learn to have self-control. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, grow in maturity. If you don't know God, get to know God. Let us come alongside of you to get to know him. Don't waste this little, little bitty short life and miss eternity. Don't waste it. Then he goes on to say, therefore, I run in such a way. Paul, man, if you know anything about Paul, the dude was stout. I don't mean physically. I meant spiritually. This dude was rock solid when it came to his faith in Jesus Christ. Then, uh, then they do it to, oh, excuse me, therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as I'm not beating the air. In other words, when he throws a punch, he's landing. He's not just swinging just to, to, to miss at air. He is literally going to hit something when he throws a punch. But I discipline my body and I make it a slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Spiritually speaking, what Paul is saying is that I train myself in order that I can go off and make disciples and I can also preach the gospel. And when I walk away, I haven't disqualified myself. There are a lot of people today preaching in the, in the pulpits of churches across the nation, uh, leading uh, major churches and all this kind of stuff that are missing the mark of what Paul is talking about here. We have to be di disciplined, and all believers need to be disciplined, not just the pastors and elders. Everyone needs to be disciplined because we're all called to make disciples. He's talking about giving everything that you have for the sake of the gospel. Are you willing to give it all for the sake of the gospel? This little bitty, if you're lucky, you've got 70, 80 years. If you're lucky, 70, 80 years. I'm 50 years old now. That's, that's not a lot of time. Like I look back on my life going, man, that was quick. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? I don't want to miss eternity because of stupidity, first of all, because I read this thing every day, and I know exactly what God's telling me to do, and I know there's things that I'm supposed to do, and so I don't want to miss the mark, and I don't want you to miss the mark either. We have to learn to be disciplined when it comes to the kingdom of God. Um, let's look at our first point, and here's where I want you to listen up, okay? We want, what I want to talk about this, this morning is how do you discover your life stage? Where are you when it comes to uh, a regard of your spiritual life? Where are you when it, when it comes to your discipline or your understanding of who Jesus is or your understanding of who God is? Uh, let's, let's look at this. And we're going to look at uh, four stages of life. Uh, that, and, and then what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is I'm going to break down each one of these stages and teach you how to either identify someone in this stage or uh, for you to be able to grow mature, um, in maturity by the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ if you're in this stage, okay? The first stage this morning we want to talk about 
is the seeker. Is the seeker. And this is not the person that is an atheist. This is not the person that is an agnostic. This is not a person that hates the church. This is somebody that actually genuinely um, knows that something is out there, knows that something is different, and they are in this process of seeking. Like they, they don't know everything that they want to know. Obviously, we don't all know that. But they don't know that they really believe in this. They don't know that they really believe in Jesus but they have this understanding of who God is, or, or maybe they're trying to figure out, and they're actually really seeking to figure out, okay, what is, what is life all about? What's my purpose here on earth? What am I supposed to do in this life? And so uh, if you're not a seeker right now, one thing that we don't ever want to do with those that are searching is to belittle them or make them feel insignificant. Like, that's a great stage. All of us that have jo- chosen Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior or a seeker at one point in time. Amen? And so we've got to get to a place to where we see these people and we come alongside of them. The problem with a lot of these uh, seekers is that we're not discipling them. Do you realize a lot of your disciples, if you're truly discipling, are people that really don't even believe in God or Jesus right at the moment? That's really what discipleship is, is that we're taking them and sharing my love and my understanding and my devotion to God and the disciplines that I have. And so as you do that, you may have people that are seekers and they have no clue who God is or Jesus is, but they, they want to know. And they're not debaters. They're not the, the kind that are coming in trying to disprove God. They are truly, genuinely wanting to know, what is my life all about? What am I supposed to do at this point in time in my life? Uh, it's not just a non-Christian person, but it's somebody who truly wants to, to know Jesus, wants to know God. And so you may be sitting here, and you may have come to church your whole life, and you're still trying to figure out who this Jesus is. You may be a seeker. There are a lot of people sitting in churches today that have been coming most of their life that are still seekers. They haven't stepped over into that commitment phase of asking Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. Number two, let's go into the follower. Okay? So you've got the seeker, you've got that one person that are those people that are, they're, they're, that are just, they're hopeless, but they want some hope, they want something to come alongside of them, they want something to, to change them, and that, we know that it, that's Jesus, that's the power of the Holy Spirit, that's why he came on this earth to save you and I from our sins, from our flesh, in order to walk with the Spirit. A follower is a person that recognizes Jesus Christ of who he is, that he is our Lord and Savior. And that they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they, they just haven't stepped out into major faith. Maybe it's a new convert. In other words, they were a seeker. They finally uh, released the flesh and allowed God to take over. Or they have, been, um, hey, they have already done that and maybe been here years and haven't really grown in maturity. And this is what Paul was talking about a little while ago is that we have to grow in the grace of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we've got to put stuff into growing with Jesus. We can't just come to church and hope that happens or small groups and hope that happens. Like, we have to put a concerted effort into getting to know this. And the biggest excuse that I hear uh, why people don't read their Bible, one is time, okay? Uh, the other is uh, understanding. And here's the great thing about God. When God is in you, guess where you get understanding from? From him. I didn't understand this verse. I didn't understand what it meant when I was reading 1 John. And then years later, he reveals it to me. 
Like, I, I, I missed it a million times. And that's the cool thing about the Word of God is that you could read it a hundred times and get something new out of it every single time. Because God's going to reveal to you what you need to know when you need to know it. That's the cool thing about it. And you also need somebody that's going to come alongside of you and help you see that. Matthew 4, 19 uh, through 20 says this, And he said to them, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. The apostles didn't just meet or just didn't leave and, and physically be with Jesus. Spiritually, they had made a decision to follow him. They knew when he came, you know, I, I couldn't imagine what the presence of Jesus felt like. Like there had to be something different about him just standing there. He, he probably didn't even have to say anything. He just walked up on the scene. Everybody's like, wow. Like you can just feel that. Have you ever felt the presence of somebody else in the room with you? Like, you just turn, like, you kind of know that. I think that's what happened with the apostles. All he had to do was say, follow me. They'd already felt the presence of Jesus. So they were past the seeker stage at this point in time, and they decided to follow Jesus. What did they do? They dropped everything. And he said, follow me. They didn't say, well, uh, let me pack up my stuff. Let me pull my boat up into the, the docks. Let me get everything together. Let me go tell my wife. Let me go make sure all of my orders, or everything's in order. Let me sell everything first or let me put check marks down to see if it makes sense for me and my family. No, they followed him because they felt the presence of God. And if you and I can get to a place to where we start feeling the presence of God, when he tells you to go, guess what? You're not going to sit and argue with him. You're not going to sit and debate with him or try to financially figure it out. You're going to step out in faith. And that's where a lot of the people are right now. We're followers, but we just haven't stepped out. Like he's saying, come on, follow me. Follow me, and you're like, eh, I don't know yet. I've got work, and i got kids, and i got, no. If we start listening to God, and we start allowing him to, to come upon us, and, and, like, it will change your life. It will change your life. Over the last few weeks, I've seen this process take place. I'm going to pick on my brother Nathan over here, um, and Jeff. I don't, Jeff's not here today, but... Um, Two guys came into our church, uh, non-believers, didn't believe in God, didn't really, you know, weren't necessarily coming in here. I, uh, Nathan was at the end of his rope. Uh, Jeff was coming on behalf of his wife. And we saw God change them both that they became followers of God. That's the cool thing about what happens is when you start seeing seekers go to followers and now uh, we're discipling I know Rob and Paul are discipling Nathan and I'm discipling Jeff and so what you're going to see is you're going to see them get into the next phase of life God has wrecked Nathan's world like in a good way his addiction is gone amen amen he's he, he's, he's completely how, how long have you been clean for a couple weeks working on it all right that's that's all it means that's all that matters and I don't mean to put you on the spotlight but I love seeing what God is doing in your life there's true, um, there, there, there's, there's true change when there's a true God in you. Amen? Okay. Number three, the owner. This is the next stage of life. So you're either a seeker or you're a follower or you've become an owner. And this is where you get into this place where you're secure in your decision of Jesus Christ. I know that I know that I know Jesus. I've given my life to him. Uh, I know that I'm going to get to heaven. What happens next? 
Okay, this is where you go from the follower stage of just saying, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and now I'm ready to step out and just, let's get dirty. Let's get messy. Let's, let's see what God does. Let him wreck my life. Let him wreck, like I'm going to start doing the things that he's calling me to do. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, 1 through 2, it says this, Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, okay, the elementary teachings about Christ are literally the gospel. The gospel is this, that Jesus Christ came upon this earth uh, out of heaven into a a human body. He was 100% God, 100% uh, man, and he came upon this earth born of a virgin birth. He walked the earth for 33 years, teaching, preaching, doing miracles, uh, setting up the kingdom and setting up his church. He's making disciples through his apostles. They start doing the exact same thing. Uh, He then claims at one point in time that he is God, and he is crucified because of that. Blasphemy is the reason he's crucified. Not because of the miracles, not because of the teaching, not because of the preaching, but because he claimed to be God. And he claimed to be God because why? He was. And so at 32, 33 years old, he carried his cross to a hill, and he was crucified on there. He was crucified. He died right then and there. He was taken off the cross. He was placed in a tomb, and three days later, the tomb was empty. And after that, for 40 days, his apostles and people, over 500 people, witnessed him in a new body, all but a couple of holes in his hands and a hole in his side. And then 40 days later, he ascended back into heaven. That's the elementary part of the gospel. Like, you can't get any more simple of the gospel of the same looking for. I accept it, I start following. Okay, so now I know that I know Jesus Christ. But as an owner, here's where things get really thick. I've now accepted my uh, understanding of who Jesus is, and I want more. In other words, I'm walking away from the elementary teaching about Christ, which is, okay, I know Jesus. Now, what do I do to, to be righteous? Read your Bible, pray, repent. You need to learn to make disciples. You need to learn to serve. You need to learn to love. And so I'm getting deeper into my shallow understanding of who Jesus is. Sitting in the church on Sunday is not what Jesus had in mind when he calls us to be owners. Okay? If the only thing that you do that is um, kingdom-minded whatsoever is come to church on Sunday, you're missing the point. You're missing the boat. Okay? There are people in your sphere of influence that, one, need to hear the gospel, two, that need a hand, Three, that need uh, love. And maybe for you just to come alongside of them and tell them that, man, I'm here for you no matter what that looks like. And so this is where an owner ends up going. He's starting to grow mature uh, in maturity. He's starting to grasp or she is starting to grasp the understanding and the word of God. We've got a lot of people that are just listening to the word of God from the pulpit and trying to live off that throughout the week. You will starve to death if you do that, just so you know. Spiritually speaking, learn to love this, learn to fall in love with this, learn to to, to devour this every single day because you got an enemy that wants to devour you. You know that, right? The only way that you can defeat the enemy is with the word of God. Amen. So know the word of God. In the Hebrews, he says, he goes on, he says, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So in other words, don't just live off your salvation. Remember your salvation. Don't ever forget your salvation. May 22nd, 2003 is when I gave my life to the Lord. I know without a shadow of a doubt that was the night that I gave my life to the Lord. 
But I didn't stop there. I started growing in the grace of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, it wasn't just a straight uphill momentum, okay? It was up and down, and it was up, and it was way down, and then it was way up. Like, that's what the Christian life is all about. But without Jesus Christ, without the church, without my godly spouse, without my godly kids, I would never have made it. That's why we need each other. So learn to become an owner. Learn to really take this, take ownership of this. We are kingdom builders. We are called to be kingdom builders, each and every one of you. Okay? Not just to, to, to live in the kingdom and, 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 and eat all you want in the kingdom. Let's, do, let's, be, let's be kingdom builders. Okay? Let's all be kingdom builders. Number four, the re- reproducer. The reproducer. Stage four. So you have four stages. One. What's the first one? Seeker. Okay. What's two? Follower. What's three? The owner. What's four? Reproducer. This is the beauty of learning to be disciplined in the word of God. When you start becoming a reproducer, in other words, what you're doing is you're you're sharing the gospel, you're sharing the grace and love of Jesus Christ, you're sharing the disciplines that God shares through here, you're sharing things that are going on in your life, and what you end up doing is you start creating people who get the same uh, excitement and passion and vision that you have, and guess what you start doing? You start reproducing uh, followers of Jesus Christ, sold out followers of Jesus Christ, not just people who want to come and learn something, but like literally where they are taking that and grasping a hold of it and going, man, this is exciting. Because if you don't get excited about Jesus Christ, your life must suck. Like seriously, we've got to get out there and have a great time with Jesus. Let's, let's stop worrying about what the rest of the world is going to say. Let's have a great time with Jesus Christ. Too many people are coming into the church right now like gloom and doom. Like we have a hope after this life. As a follower of Jesus Christ. And the rest of the world wants that. They just don't know it yet. And we've got to get out there and share that love of Jesus with them. Let's learn to become a reproducer. Go and make disciples. Matthew 28, 18. It's that simple. Somebody shared you, shared the gospel with you. Whether it was from the pulpit, whether it was from Sunday school class. Somebody shared it with you or you wouldn't know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We have to go and do likewise. And then when we take that person, like Robbie has taken Nathan, he's going to start pouring into him. He's going to make him, and I guarantee Nathan one of these days will be, he's already brought his family in. Like, praise God, there's our, that's reproduction right there. And when you start seeing the joy and, and the, the glory of Jesus Christ changing people, it's exciting. It's, that's, that's why you should wake up every morning. Okay. Who can I share the gospel with? Who can I see get this glory that's going to take over their countenance, going to take care of their addictions, going to take care of their pain and their worry and their fear and their doubts? Jesus Christ can do that. That's what we need to be telling the rest of the world. So let me ask you, are you a seeker? Are you still trying to figure out who Jesus is? I would love to share who Jesus is with you. I know there are other people in this room right now that would love to share, the, share Jesus with you. Don't be scared to ask. Are you a follower? Have you given your life to Christ, but you really haven't stepped out and done a whole lot with it? That's what discipleship is for. Find somebody that will disciple you. Uh, Jeff gave his life to the Lord uh, two Sundays ago. 
Uh, I don't know if you guys know Jeff and Kim over here. They're not over here. I keep pointing because that's usually where they sit. Uh, the second he gave his life to the Lord, he texted me. He's like, will you, will you disciple me? Like, he's hungry now. And so that's going to that's gonna be something that's going to be reproducible. We're going to be able to see him reach out to other people as well. Are you a follower? That Again, that you, you know Jesus. You've given your life to the Lord, but you haven't stepped out. Get somebody to disciple you. And then when, once you become that owner, that person that really is soaking in the word of God and you're having a personal relationship with Jesus because you're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're having a repentant lifestyle and you've, you've taken it on, now seek what God wants you to do with that. Is he calling you into ministry? Is he calling you into uh, missions? Is he calling you into to giving, is serving? Whatever that looks like, you've got to be willing to step out and say, all right, God, I'm all yours. I'm totally committed. I'm going to follow you no matter what, and I'll do what you call me to do. But you have to listen. You have to literally this, you look two ways. If you feel that God is calling you to do something, and you're at this place where you're kind of an owner, and you feel God, two things are going to happen. If you're married, confirmation will happen with your spouse. May not be instantaneous, but it will happen eventually with your spouse. We, we've seen it a million times. It happened in my marriage. I jumped out in front of my calling way before my wife had ever been called, but eventually she was called as well. Second thing is you're going to confirm it in the Word of God. And it may be that way around. You may confirm it in the Word of God before your spouse ever confirms it. It just really depends on where you are with your walk with God. And then it may be confirmed through somebody else. A friend, uh, your discipler or your disciplee uh, may confirm it as well. And then learn to reproduce it. Learn to share it with other people. Maybe you begin in your family. That's where you start. Men, you're called to, to raise a godly family. Start with your family before you start working with somebody else. Okay, women, start with your children before you start working with somebody else. But if, you're, if you've got, the, like Paul says, man, if you, if you can control the flesh, don't get married and just go do God's work. Man, get out and do God's work. That's what we need to be doing, but we're so caught up in the rest of the world uh, that we're missing the boat, so to speak. So let's, how do we get to that place? The next couple of weeks, I'm going to really dive into the seeker, um, the follower, the owner, and the reproducer, and how we start discipling those basic groups. But right now, what I want you to determine is, where are you? Are you a seeker? Are you a follower? Are you an owner? Or are you, may, are you being reproducible? So think of that in your own life right now. So let me show you how to, to get to a place to where you can become a reproducer. All right? Number, uh, our second point today is make a plan. Okay? Make your plan. Do you have a spiritual plan in place? You don't have to answer that question because I know the answer, um, unfortunately. Most of us do not have a spiritual plan in place. What does that look like in your life? If you have a business, do you have a business plan? Yes or no? Okay. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, so you have some kind of plan. If you're in the government, they have some kind of plan, albeit maybe not that great, but they've got some kind of plan. Uh, we've got plans in place in order for us to have a goal. If you don't have a goal, you don't necessarily have a target to hit. So first of all, make a plan. Uh, in your life stages scale, where are you? If you're in the seeker place, you've got to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's your first goal, okay? Let me learn more about Jesus so I can 
fully rely on him and finally by faith accept him as my Lord and Savior. If you're the follower person, how do I get to a place to where I am sold out and I become an owner and I will listen to God and I will follow him? That should be your goal there. If you're a person who is an owner, uh, you're sold out, you're ready to go and you're ready to move, but you quite haven't. I want to set that goal up as a reproducible person. That's where I, I need to get to. So then I start making disciples, making disciples, sharing the gospel, uh, evangelizing, and then uh, making disciples through that process. That's your first goal. Begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. What's the end result? I just gave you four end results. As a seeker, you need to know Jesus, first and foremost. As a follower, you need to step up and become an owner. You need to be sold out instead of just kind of keeping one foot in heaven and one foot on earth and, and saying, I'm just going to stay right here. That's not what God's looking for. As an owner, you've got to get to that place where you finally are sold out, but now I want to make disciples. Those are the four goals with, uh, begin with the end of mind. Those are the four goals that you need to have. Read the Bible. That should be a goal that you have every day. You can look at Paul and Priscilla and Aquila and, and uh, Barnabas and Timothy and Titus. You see these people making disciples. Jesus took 12 guys under his wing and literally poured into them for three years. They changed the world. They changed the world. That's what you being a disciple maker could do too. Imagine the person that witnessed to Billy Graham or discipled him. That might have been the only person they witnessed to or, or, or shared the gospel with. But guess what? It changed the world. And you can do the exact same thing. You may have one disciple your whole life. Pour into them. Be committed to them. Give them all that you can. It might change the world. It might be kids. You're, you have this gift with kids. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I tried that one time. I love my kids. Uh, but I could not do youth ministry. I tried to do that for a little while. I don't have that gift. Uh, some of you do. Pour into those kids. Like, they're, they're, they're the ones that are going to change our society. Not us old, old adults. We're not going to change much of anything. Our kids will change it, though, and they need to be godly in nature. Number two, you need to count the cost. Jesus posed these attention-grabbing questions in Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Uh, in verse 31, for which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see he has enough to complete it? Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter one coming against him with 20,000 men? Now, Jesus was presenting this to people who were in the seeker phase right now. He's like, listen, do not follow me if you can't pick up your cross. In other words, what he was saying back then is if you're not willing to die by picking up your cross, because that's what that symbol meant, meant if you're carrying a cross down the street, everybody kind of, they went like, yeah, he's dying today. That's, that's what he was saying, like, don't follow me unless you're willing to give your life up to it. Whether it's physically, spiritually, you've got to give your life to it. And what we need to do is we need to count the cost as well. Are you willing to be a disciple maker? Because guess what? Disciple making, being a reproducible person, takes time and effort. It takes uh, energy. It takes, uh, it takes money sometimes. It takes a lot. Are you willing to do that? And you've got to start within your family and then multiply out from there. But it, it costs to do that. So count the cost. If God's calling you overseas to, to a mission, count the cost. 
Am I willing to sacrifice my family? Am I willing to sacrifice my family? Am I willing to sacrifice? When you become an owner and step into the reproducible part, most of the time you're already counting the cost. You're, you're like, all right, God, let's go. I'll do whatever you're calling me to do. Then make the commitment. As a seeker, you've got to make a commitment to believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And you start off by faith. You start off by faith. Make the commitment. As a follower, I'm going to make the commitment to become an owner. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start going to small group. I'm going to start having somebody disciple me and teach me more about God's word. I'm going to become an owner. I'm going to make that commitment. And as an owner, you're going to start making a commitment to, to allow God to send you people that need discipleship. That's, making, uh, that's becoming a reproducible Christian. That's becoming a, a, a disciple maker, as we call it. Make a commitment. Most of us are not committed to much of anything. That's the scary part with the church today. We'll commit to everything else in the world except to God, except to kingdom building, except to disciple making, except to taking care of the poor and the widows and the orphans. Like we haven't totally committed and sold out to that. We have to. We need to. That's what kingdom building is all about. Step three. Enjoy the journey. What I'm describing here is not some bag of dry bones. Like, this is life-altering stuff. This is changing people's lives for the better. Not only on this earth, but for eternity. Let me, you have no guarantee that you're going to have a great life as a follower of Jesus Christ on this earth, just so you know. Okay? You could be hung upside down like Peter. You could be uh, killed like all the other eight disciples that were uh, there, you, you might be lucky enough to live a long life like John on the Isle of Patmos where he's got his beach, beachfront property. I, I don't know what that looks like in your life. You could lose everything in that process or you could gain everything physically because God entrusts you with that because you're going to do great things with the kingdom. I have no clue. You have no promises of what's going to happen here on this earth. But I do promise you that, that this, that if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will have a mansion in heaven. You will have eternity life in heaven. You will have glory in the presence of God in heaven. I can guarantee that. That's about all I can guarantee you, though. But enjoy this journey while we're still here on this earth. One question that God's going to ask us when we get to heaven, who did you bring with you? Who did you bring with you? If you're missing out on this, this process of evangelism and discipleship, I'm telling you, you're missing out on the glory of the kingdom here on earth. When you see somebody give their life to the Lord right in front of you, you see them change. When you see them start growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, man, that is exciting. What we're talking about here is not just doldrums. Like, it's just, this is, should be exciting. When I talk about people, you know, to, to other people about Jesus Christ, I should be excited. Like, there should not be a, 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 a sad Christian. Seriously, if, we're, if you're in Christ, man, we should be joyful, and the, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what we have in us. Not the, oh, it's Monday again, the woe is me, life sucks, and everything just kind of gets out of whack. No, we need to have that joy that's in us. And while you're on this journey, guess what? You're not alone. You're not alone. First of all, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, guiding you, walking you through this process. Two, you have the church. You have 
us to come alongside of you. You have other followers that are around the world uh, that are, are, are right there with you. I was in Haiti not too long ago, and I'm telling you what, there are followers of Jesus Christ there too. They were right there next to me. I knew if something would happen to me, I could rely on those folks. Like I have brothers and sisters around the world that are a part of the family. That's the great thing about being in God's kingdom. You're not alone. So don't ever feel like you're alone. You are promised God's guidance. Don't know what to do? Read your Bible. Pray. God will reveal to you what you need to do. He's going to guide you along this path. I used to give this illustration when my kids, my big kids, I do it now with my twins, but the big kids, we would walk through a mall or something when they were little, and we, you know, just getting to that point where you can, like, let them walk by themselves without holding their hands or whatever, but you could always see them guide off toward, like, a toy store or a kiosk that had pretty things on it, and, like, I was, they were just tall enough to where I could grab their heads, and I'd, like, guide them back over here and grab one over here and take their head and spin them back over here. I had, this anal- I had this thought one time, that's what God's doing to me. Like I'm this little child in Christ, and I veer off over here, and I'm starting to get in trouble, and he grabs my head, and he pulls me back over here, and I want to go this way, and he grabs me back over here. God's going to keep you and guide you in his will if you allow him to. I have the ability to walk over here and say, I don't want to do that. I'm going to sin. I'm going to do this. But he's going to guide me back into his perfect will. Our, his perfect will is a straight line. Unfortunately, what we do on that straight line is we, every now and then, we get a glimpse of that, that perfect will. Have you ever felt the presence of God because you're right there in that perfect will? That's where we want to be. And what he wants from us is to make disciples, to share the gospel, to love, to serve, to give, like all of these things that he tells us in the Bible. Look at Psalms 48, 14. For such is God, our God forever and ever, will guide us until death. You have somebody on your side until death. It's going to guide you all the way through this life. Isaiah 42, 16. I will lead the blind by a way that they do not know, and paths they do not know. I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them and rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do, and I will not leave them undone. We have a promise from God that he will guide us. But guess what that takes? You have to listen. Right? You have to li- we like to like to like give our opinion. Instead of listening to God, we've got to listen to God. And you do that in a few ways. First of all, just meditation. Just think of like, all right, God, I want to be in your presence. I read a scripture and I want to meditate on it. I just want to think of that. Like, let me hear from you, God. Or reading your Bible. Bam. All right. I, this, you know, God spoke to me the other day in this in this scripture. Matter of fact, so much I was texting other people like, oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe what I just saw today. And they're probably like, well, duh, you know, it's in there. But that's we know that God is with us and he's going to guide us and direct us through that. And then in this stage, also realize you are fulfilling your purpose. You have a purpose on this earth. And it's not just to take up space. It's not to bring home the bacon or make babies or whatever. No, you have a purpose while you're here on this earth. And as kingdom builders, that purpose is to go out and to seek and save the lost. In other words, we're going to seek those that are hurting, that are, that are needy, that are what, whatever that looks like on the outside world, and we are going to share the gospel and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to indwell in them as well to save them. That is our purpose here on this earth. Someone once said, 
Fear not that your life will come to an end, but rather that it should never have a beginning. The beginning of life is the day that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Till then, you're dead in your trespasses. Like, you are dead. You will die. But if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will have life forever and have it more abundantly. We need to have an abundant life while we're here on this earth, as in heaven as it is on earth. So we have the ability to do that, but we've got to allow God to do that for us. And then we've got to be eternity thinkers. Most of you don't think about eternity, do you? Eternity. Like, do you realize what eternity is? It's forever and ever and ever and ever. We're wasting our life for this little blip on the radar that we call life. And from then on, is forever. As a follower and a believer and a reproducible Christian, I have eternity in heaven. Eternity. I have the hope. I have the security. I know that where I'm going is going to be a great place. And I need to share that with everybody else that doesn't have that hope. Our world right now is a hopeless place. We've got to share the love of Jesus Christ. You're in a stage right now. Everybody is. What life stage you're in, I don't know. Only you and God know that. I can't tell you where you're at. Uh, I could probably, I could probably pick it out relatively well from knowing most of you uh, to te- to help you out. I would love to come alongside of you and help you out. I can't, every I can't do everybody, but you can. You know people in this church that are godly walkers, uh, are walking with God in a godly way. Make sure that you talk with them. Uh, If you're struggling, I'll point you in the right direction. My elders will point you in the right direction. But you and you alone only know the stage that you're in right now. We want Christ to take over our lives. We want Christ to take over our, our families. We want Christ to take over our church because when that happens, we can take over the community. And I don't mean that like we're going to take it back. We're going to take it back for a godly reason. We're going to change the world for a godly reason. People need to hear the love of Jesus Christ, and they need to hear it from the faithful few that we have in the church. We want more than just a few. I mean, we want an army of faithful people. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, 14. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. To what? To build up the body of Christ. In other words, this church should be building up the body of Christ. What does that mean? That means, uh, uh, <laughs> almost said something. That means putting people in seats. Okay, that means putting people in seats. What is, that's that's the lost. That's the de church. That's the unchurched. That's the hurt. That's the you know something happened in church that I don't like church. Like we need to come alongside of them and put them in the seats, not for numbers' sake, but for kingdom's sake. We need to build up the body for Christ's sake until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried out about every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. In other words, it's time to grow up if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. 
It's time to stop being a spiritual baby. Like a child is what we keep getting called. Like our faith should be childlike, but our maturity should be as an adult, as one that is eating meat and no longer drinking from the milk of the word. In other words, we're going out and doing what God has called us to do. If the church would stand up and start doing that, you'll see a different world. You'll see your family different. You'll see your community different because we stand on the word of God. It takes every one of us to do that. So over the next few messages, we're going to talk about those life stages, how they look individually, how we can incorporate discipleship into them, how we can share the gospel with them. The gospel is easy to share, I promise you. It's your saving grace of what God did to you or did for you because of your faith. You accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Bam, you've got a testimony. You had the Saul side of your life. Damascus Road happened. Now you've got the Paul side. You have a testimony. Now it's, you've got to learn to get into the meat of the word and start sharing that with others. You've got to start doing that with others as well. And that's where the, the rubber meets the road. If you're not willing to take time with a brother or sister or even your family, for that matter, to pour into them, to show them the love of Jesus Christ, to show them the love of God through his word, then it's going to be a long life here. We need to make disciples. That's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. So where are you right now? Are you a seeker? Are you a follower? Are you an owner? Or are you making disciples being a reproducer? Only you know that. I want to pray right now for the seekers. If you guys will, just bow your heads.